You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode. Eureka by John Thomas, Volume 1, Chapter 1, Section 5, Part 7, His Head and the Hairs. John says that the head and the hairs of the similitude he saw were white as it were wool, white as snow. This appearance identifies it with Daniel's Ancient of Days, the hair of whose head was like the pure wool. Now, in regard to the head, Paul says, I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of Christ is God. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 3. And in Ephesians 5 verse 23 he says, The husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the ecclesia and he is the saviour of the body. The apocalyptic son of man is the body, and Jesus anointed occupies the position of head to that body. This is the reason why the head is represented as invested with the appearance of wool, white as snow. The whiteness represents the purity of the head, and the wool, that head's relation to the Lamb of God, that takes away the sin of the world, and primarily the sin of those who constitute the community represented by the Son of Man, of whom it may be said that they had washed them in the blood of the Lamb and made them clean, and that though their sins were as scarlet, they had become white as snow, and though they were red like crimson, they had become as wool. Isaiah 1 verses 16 and 18. Thus, the snow-white wool becomes the emblem of the purity of the whole body in Christ, when presented to himself a glorious ecclesia, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but holy and without blemish. Ephesians 5 verse 27 His eyes as a flame of fire The eye is the symbol of intelligence, for the light of the body is the eye. The nature of the intelligence in predominant activity is expressed by the character of the symbol. Hence, an eye as a flame of fire indicates intelligence in wrathful activity. The word for eye in the Hebrew also signifies fountain, because tears are welled up from the eye as water from a fountain or spring. Hence, the eyes of the man of multitude are fountains of flaming fire. They pour out flame as a fiery stream, and he becomes a consuming fire. There is nothing beneficent in symbolic flame. This will appear from the use of the term in all parts of Scripture. Speaking of Dathan and Abiram as examples of divine indignation, David says 
in Psalm 106 verse 18. A fire was kindled in their company. The flame burned up the wicked. Isaiah, entreating of the overthrow of the kingdom of men under its last head in our near future, says, Yahweh, Yahweh Tzveoth, shall send among his fat ones leanness, and under his glory he shall kindle a burning like the burning of a fire. And the light of Israel shall be for a fire, and his holy one for a flame. And it shall burn and devour his thorns and his briars in one day. And it shall come to pass in that day that the remnant of Israel, and such as are escaped of the house of Jacob, shall no more again stay upon him that smote them, but shall stay upon Yahweh, the Holy One of Israel, in truth. The remnant shall return, even the remnant of Jacob, unto the mighty hero, El Gibor, chapter 10, verses 16 to 21. In this testimony, the light of Israel is the Logos of John. He is the fire, and his flame is the Holy One, symbolized by the Son of Man, with his eyes as a flame of fire. This is the mighty hero to whom Jacob shall return. Again, in speaking of the coming of the name of Yahweh, the same prophet says in chapter 30, verse 27, Behold, the name of Yahweh cometh from afar, his anger burning, and its vehemence a conflagration. His lips are full of indignation, and his tongue as a devouring fire, and his breath as an overflowing stream shall reach to the neck to scatter the nations with the fan of destruction. The name of Yahweh is apocalypsed in John's similitude, the flame of whose eyes is poured forth as a stream of fire to effect what is here testified by Isaiah. Many other passages might be adduced illustrating the significance of symbolic flame, whether it be streaming from the eyes or glowing about the feet. But these are sufficient at present to show that the mission of the company symbolised by the Son of Man is not of peace, but a mission of judgment and retribution upon the nations of the earth. Eureka by John Thomas, Volume 1 Chapter 1, Section 5, Part 8 His Feet Like Unto Fine Brass His feet, says John, like incandescent brass, as if they had been glowing in a furnace. We have here to consider the import of the feet, why they are symbolised by brass, and in what sense they glow, and in what furnace the glowing is evolved. First then, what is suggested by the feet of John's spirit man of multitude? The idea primarily suggested by feet are a treading upon and an advancing towards or after anything. The flaming attribute of the similitude, as illustrated by the prophetic testimony which it symbolises, has shown us that it has a mission against the nations, 
Hence, in relation to them, the feet of the Son of Man suggests a treading down and a pursuing to the destruction of their power. This suggestion is in harmony with the testimony of Revelation 14, where the clusters of the vine of the earth are gathered and cast into the great winepress of the wrath of deity, and the winepress is trodden without the city. The feet that tread this winepress are the symbolic feet of the Son of Man. The following testimonies will enlarge our view of their operation. In Psalm 18, verse 32, the Spirit inquires, Who is Eloah besides Yahweh? And who a rock except our Elohim, the ale girding me with might? Even he will make my way complete. He causes my feet to be like hinds, and he will make me to stand upon my high places. He is training my hands for war, so that the bow of brass has been broken by my arms. Thou wilt cause my going to extend under me, and my ankle joints have not wavered. I will pursue my enemies, and shall overtake them, and I will not return until they be destroyed. I will wound them so that they shall not be able to rise. They shall fall under my feet. Thou wilt gird me with might for the war, that styled the war of that great day of almighty power. Revelation 16 verse 14. Thou wilt subdue under me those that rise up against me, and thou hast given to me the neck of my enemies. And those who hate me, I will cut them off. They will cry for help, but there is none to save them. Unto Yahweh, but he answered them not. Then will I grind them as fine as dust before the faces of the Spirit. As mire of the streets will I pour them out. Thou wilt deliver me from the conflicts of the nations. Thou hast appointed me for prince of the nations. A nation which I knew not shall serve me. At the hearing of the ear they shall obey me. The sons of the foreigner shall submit to me. The sons of the foreigner shall fall and tremble from their strongholds. Verse 47. Yahweh lives and blessed be my rock, and he shall raise the Elohim of my salvation, the ale who giveth avengements to me, even he will subdue the nations under me. 49. Thou wilt exalt me from the man of violence, Paul's man of sin, the lawless one. Thou wilt deliver me. Therefore, O Yahweh, I will give thee thanks among the Gentiles, and sing psalms unto thy name, magnifying the deliverance of his king, and performing the promise to his Messiah, to David and to his seed, during the Olam, or thousand years. In this passage, the Eternal Spirit, through the prophet, speaks of Messiah in the crisis of his controversy for Zion, in which, as the head or chief 
of John's son of man, he puts his feet upon the necks of the kings of the earth, scatters their armies like dust before the wind, and becomes prince or head of the nations in their stead. But this is true also of all the other individual members of this new man. If the new Adam himself thus make war upon and trample in the mire the kings and armies of the old Adam nature, he has promised that all approved believers in him, all who are Abraham's seed by being Christ's, that is, all the saints, shall do the same, and share with him in the fruits of his and their victory. In proof of this, the reader is referred to the following testimonies. The righteous shall rejoice when he seeth the vengeance. He shall wash his feet in the blood of the wicked, so that a man shall say, Verily, there is a reward for the righteous. Verily, there are Elohim ruling in the earth. Psalm 58, verses 10 and 11. All the horns of the wicked I will cut off, but the horns of the righteous shall be exalted. Psalm 75, verse 10. He shall cut off the spirit of princes. He is terrible to the kings of the earth. 76, verse 12. Arise, O Elohim, judge the earth, for thou shalt acquire possession in all the nations. Psalm 82, verse 8. He will exalt the horn of his nation, the glory of all his saints, of the sons of Israel, a people near to him. Psalm 148, verse 14. Now the phrase, all the saints, is comprehensive of Jesus and his brethren, who collectively form Daniel's man of the one spirit, Paul's new man, and John's son of man. The same things are therefore affirmed of all, both Jesus and the faithful in him. Hence, as a body, their feet will be like hind's feet, swift in the pursuit of their enemies, whom they will overtake and destroy. These will fall before their power. And as Malachi says, they will trample them as ashes under the soles of their feet. And when they have got the victory, they will rule with Jesus as princes in all the earth. Psalm 45 verse 16. The resurrected Elohim ruling in the earth. The Elohim of Messiah's salvation. The feet in the next place are symbolised in brass, to connect them with the temple pattern of heavenly things. While gold was peculiar to the interior apartments, or holy and most holy places, brass was characteristic of the court of the priests, where the sacrificing and washing were performed. The altar of burnt offering, and the laver with his foot, and the two pillars of the porch, and many other things of the court of the priests were all of shining brass 
or overlaid therewith. The brass pertaining to the temple was all holy. The brazen altar was most holy, so that whatever touched it was holy. No Israelite, however, was permitted to touch it, unless he belonged to the seed of Aaron. And even they were not permitted to approach the altar till they had first washed their hands and feet in the brazen sea. The altar of burnt offering prefigured the one body in sacrificial manifestation. The idea of an altar of sacrifice representing a personal and divine plurality is frequent in scripture. Thus Jacob erected an altar at Shalem in the land of Canaan and called it El Elohai Yisrael, that is, the strength of the mighty ones of Israel. Genesis 33 verse 20. And Moses, before the law was given, and in memory of the victory of Joshua over Amalek, built an altar and called the name of it Yahweh Nisi. That is, he shall be my ensign, he who was symbolized by the altar. Exodus 17 verse 15, Isaiah 11 verses 10 and 12, and 18 verse 3, and 31 verse 9, and Zechariah 9 verse 16. This Yahweh Nisi altar was superseded by an altar overlaid with plates of brass. These plates represented the flesh of sin, purified by fiery trial. Gold, silver, brass, iron, tin and lead, everything, said Moses, that may abide the fire, ye shall make go through the fire, and it shall be clean. Nevertheless, it shall be purified with the water of separation. And all that abideth not the fire, ye shall make go through the water. Numbers 31, verse 22. The connection of the plates with sin's flesh is established by their history. They were the senses of those sinners against their own souls. Korah, Dathan, Abiram, and their company, 250 of them, who rebelled against the strength of Israel. He commanded Eleazar, Aaron's son, to melt them and roll them into broad plates for a covering of the altar and for a sign to the children of Israel. Numbers 16, verse 37. The brazen altar, which was four square, had four horns of brass, one at each corner, and in sacrifice the blood was applied to the horns by the priest's finger, and the rest was all poured beside the bottom of the altar. Exodus 29 verse 12 These horns represent the same thing as the four cherubim, the four carpenters, and the four living ones of Ezekiel Zechariah and John. Only in the brazen state, which precedes the golden olam, aeon, or millennium. As horns of brass, 
they execute the judgment written as a consuming fire. For brass and offering by fire is the association of things in the type. The brazen altar and its horns of brass, then, are symbolical of ale, the eternal power, in elohistic or sacrificial and judicial manifestation in flesh. Eloah will come from Teman, saith the prophet, the Holy One from Mount Paran. Consider, his glory covers the heavens, and his praise fills the earth, and the splendour shall be as the light. He has horns out of his hand, and there is the covering of his strong ones. Before his face shall go pestilence, and from his feet lightnings shall proceed. He stood and measured the earth. He beheld and caused the nations to tremble. And the mountains of antiquity were dispersed, and the hills of the Olam did bow. The goings of Olam are his. Habakkuk 3 verses 3 to 6. The horns of the brazen and golden altars are the eternal spirit's strong ones who disperse the empires of antiquity and subjugate the kingdoms of the latter days to him and his anointed, so that the current of the world's affairs will be directed by his Elohim in the ensuing thousand years, or Daniel's season and a time. The saints, then, are the feet of incandescent brass, who have all passed through the fire and the water of separation, and been consecrated by the blood of the covenant, and are partakers with the altar, even with Jesus. 1 Corinthians 9 verse 13 and 10 verse 18, Hebrews 13 verses 10 and 12. And those of them who have been slain, have been poured out beside the bottom or under the altar, from whence the cry apocalyptically ascends to the Father, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell upon the earth? Revelation 6 verse 10 and 11 verse 1. Hence, those who dwell upon the earth, being like Israel of old, Grievous revolters, brass and iron, corrupters all, Jeremiah 6 verse 28, are to be cast into a furnace glowing with the heat of Yahweh's indignation. Israel has been passing through the process for ages. They have been trampled underfoot of the Gentiles in a great furnace of affliction. For punishment was to begin first at the Jew and afterwards to be visited upon the brass and iron of the Gentiles. Ezekiel's description of Israel's punishment by Gentile agency will illustrate that of the Gentiles by the agency of Israel under the direction of the man whose feet are like incandescent brass glowing in a furnace, and will furnish an obvious interpretation of the text. The word of Yahweh, says the prophet, came unto me, saying, Son of man, the house of Israel is to me become dross. 
They are all brass and tin and iron and lead in the midst of the furnace. They are the dross of silver. Therefore thus saith Yahweh Elohim, Because ye are all become dross, behold, therefore, I will gather you into the midst of Jerusalem, as they gather silver and brass and iron and lead and tin into the midst of the furnace, to blow the fire upon it, to melt it. So will I gather you in my anger and in my fury, and I will leave you and melt you. Yea, I will gather you and blow upon you in the fire of my wrath, and ye shall be melted in the midst thereof. As silver is melted in the midst of the furnace, so shall ye be melted in the midst thereof. And ye shall know that I, Yahweh, have poured out my fury upon you. Chapter 22, verse 17. In this testimony, Israel in the flesh are compared to brass and other metals full of dross. This drossy nature of the brass is the characteristic by which they are distinguished from the fine or incandescent brass of the Son of Man or Israel in the Spirit in glowing or burning operation upon the subjects of Yahweh's fiery indignation. Israel, as dross, is exemplified in the denunciations of the prophets. Their drossiness is seen in the abominations they practised in burning incense to reptiles and filthy beasts and idols of every sort, in their women weeping for Tammuz, the Adonis of the Greeks, and in their worshipping the sun between the porch of the temple and the altar, with their backs towards the sanctuary of Yahweh. Ezekiel 8, verses 7 to 18. They are still in the drossy state, with the curse of Moses, and the blood guiltiness they invoked upon themselves and posterity at the crucifixion of Jesus, lying heavily upon them. Israel lives in perpetual violation of the law, and yet professes to expect justification by that law, which only thunders the curses of Mount Ebal in their ears. Hence they are to this day the dross of silver in the midst of the furnace of affliction, left of Yahweh and melted. But if Israel be the dross of silver, the Gentiles are the dross of brass, iron, lead and tin. The Gentile dross is of no more value than Israel's, for God has concluded all under sin. Israel boasts in Moses and pays no regard to what he prescribes, and the Gentile bepraises Jesus while their ears are closed and their hearts steeled against his teaching and commands, so that Jews and Gentiles are both guilty before God. They only accepted who believe the gospel of the kingdom and obey it. They have all, therefore, to be gathered into a furnace glowing with intense combustion before their races can attain to the blessedness that is to come upon all nations through Abraham and his seed. Jews and Gentiles must be melted in the fire of Yahweh's wrath, 
which fire will glow at the feet of the Son of Man, the saints executing the judgment written, and treading the wicked as ashes under the soles of their feet. As to the furnace, in which this intense and glowing wrath of deity is to glow, we may state it in the words of Ezekiel as the wilderness of the peoples. This is the furnace, both for Israel and their enemies. In relation to Israel in this furnace, it is written, As I live, saith Adonai Yahweh, surely with a mighty hand and with a stretched out arm and with fury poured out will I rule over you. And I will bring you out from the peoples and will gather you out of the countries wherein you are scattered with a mighty hand and with a stretched out arm and with fury poured out. And I will bring you into the wilderness of the peoples and there will I plead with you face to face. Like as I pleaded with your fathers in the wilderness of the land of Egypt, so will I plead with you, saith Adonai Yahweh. And I will cause you to pass under the rod, and I will bring you into the bond of the covenant, and I will purge out from among you the rebels, and them that transgress against me. I will bring them forth out of the country where they sojourn, and they shall not enter into the land of Israel, and ye shall know that I am Yahweh. Ezekiel 20, verses 33 to 38. When thus purified from dross in this glowing furnace, the Jewish nation will be brass and silver well refined. Malachi 3, verse 2. The rebellious dross will have been cleaned out, and anti-Mosaic Judaism, by which they are now caused to wander out of the way, will have been destroyed from the earth. This refining in the furnace is in the time of Jacob's trouble, out of which he is to be delivered. Jeremiah 30, verse 7. And though they are now prostrate among the cattle pens, they will be the wings of the dove covered with silver and her feathers with the brightness of fine gold. Psalm 68, verse 14, and John chapter 1, verse 32. But the nations are to become molten brass, as well as Israel. Their brass, therefore, is also to be gathered into the furnace, that it may be melted and refined under the intense fire of divine wrath. Israel, commanded by the Son of Man, is a torch of fire in the wilderness, which not only purges them, but serves to consume its peoples. The wilderness thus converted into a smelting furnace is that which John saw when he was carried away in spirit into the wilderness, where he saw the great harlot sitting upon many waters, which are interpreted to signify peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. Revelation 17, verse 1 and 15. The countries of Portugal, Spain, France, Belgium, Germany, Italy, Greece, Egypt, and, in short, all the Mediterranean and Euphratean countries, being the territories of the four beasts of Daniel, constitute the furnace in which the Nebuchadnezzar gold and silver and brass and iron and clay 
are made to glow with fervent heat of sevenfold intensity, and in which the four men of God, the cherubim, walk to and fro without hurt, the fire having no power upon their bodies, as symbolized by Nebuchadnezzar's furnace, and by John's mystical son of man, who torments the worshippers of the beast and the false prophet in the lake of fire burning with brimstone. Revelation 19 verse 20 and 14 verse 10. The melting and refining the Gentile brass in this Babylonian furnace, incandescent with the wrath of deity, is Daniel's time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation to that same time. Chapter 12 verse 1. It is the day burning like a furnace, which shall consume the proud and all that do wickedly with their anti-Christian Gentilism, by which the peoples are deceived, but which shall have no power for evil against the people represented by Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and the one with them, like the Son of God. They shall come forth unharmed, unsinged, unchanged, and inodorous of the fire. For these are the bride, the daughter of Zion, to whom the Spirit saith, Arise and thresh, for I will make thine horn iron, and I will make thy hoofs brass, and thou shalt beat in pieces many peoples, and I will consecrate their spoil to Yahweh, and their wealth to the Lord of the whole earth. Micah 4 verse 13 these brazen hoofs of Zion's daughter, which answer to the feet of John's similitude, are the feet of Ezekiel's cherubim, which, he says, are straight feet, and the sole of their feet like the sole of a calf's foot, and they sparkled like the colour of burnished brass. Ezekiel 1 verse 7 Thus, while Israel is passing through the furnace, under the conduct of the saints, and are themselves being purged from dross, they are also made use of by their commanders as a torch of fire among the sheaves, or a lion among flocks of goats, Micah 5 verse 8 and Zechariah 12 verse 6, to destroy the power and kingdoms of the world after the allegorical example of their transit out of Egypt into the land of the inheritance. For though passing under the rod themselves, they become also a rod of iron in the hand of Yahweh for the destruction of the nations when their iniquity is full. Revelation 2 verses 26 and 27 and 27 and 27. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the episode helpful. Don't forget, most of these episodes are also available as videos on our video channel, cdvideo.org. 
So head over and take a look. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, please get in touch or leave us a voice message. We love to hear your feedback. You can email us at btf at cdvideo.org. If you enjoyed the episode, then please share it with others. Until next time, may God bless you in your studies and your walk towards God's kingdom. Amen.